Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. God's strength reaches to you, and it always reaches to you. So much so that the Bible tells us that, that when we are weak, he is strong in us, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that we are more than conquerors, that he, the way, this is the way I like to say it, he empowers us to be able to do everything that he asks us to do. So, so Jacob, I don't know you, but on whatever your next journey is, God's strength reaches to you and your wife, and he's covering that, and he's strengthening you in that, and he's already made a way for that. He's already made a path for that. And if he's asked you to do whatever it is he's asked you to do, then he's going to give you the power and everything you need to, to get it done. And that's not just for Jacob. That's, that's for Jake, Jacob and Jake. And I don't know how y'all kept that straight for however long Jacob's been here. And for each of us, right? Like that's for each of us. Maybe I'm just starting with uh, preaching to myself because you're going to hear a little bit about my story this morning, but Vessel, I am so glad to be here with you guys. Y'all don't really know me, but I know you guys, and I love Vessel Church. I love your pastor. He is absolutely amazing. You guys know this, but he is so awesome. You know, Jake, when you were talking earlier and giving me a little introduction, I was thinking, why in the world would you want to sit in the back or be intimidated by a room of pastors? Because just like he, he has this like leadership aura and presence about him here. He has that in every room he walks into. So in our pastor gatherings, like I'm looking for Jake. And, and, and you know, this is, this is funny. Whenever, I, most of the time where I see Jake is at the coffee shop. I think that's where we met and, and that's where, you know, he'll be doing real important stuff and I'll come and just ask him a whole bunch of questions. And my goal every time I'm around your pastor is to be quiet and not talk. Right, because I already know everything I know, but if I can know half of what he knows, then all of a sudden I'm way better just in one conversation. And and Jake, I'm not just saying this because you invited me to preach at your church, <laughs> even though that'd probably be a good reason. <laughs> but 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 man, I am so thankful for you and your wisdom and just the way that you carry yourself and your leadership and your friendship. It is absolutely phenomenal, and I would just challenge you to walk into every room that you can walk in, being who you are and being confident in that, because your humility and your wisdom, like, it just shines. And that must mean that Shay has to be amazing. I don't really know Shay that well, but she's got to be amazing. I mean, she's just, uh, all that I've heard is Jake just bragging on her and how awesome she is, and... And I, and I saw, I, I might have seen her before, but I saw her up here and I was thinking, man, Jake is not only super wise and super humble and amazing leader, but he's got to be a great preacher. <laughs> right? Like the ladies got that, right? Like, fellas, when you, when you out, outkick your coverage, when you marry up, big part of that's because you're a good communicator. So I know Jake is a great communicator because... I saw them up here together, and all right, I'm going to move on. <laughs> hey, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into uh, to what I believe God has uh, to say to us this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, just your presence in this place. 
We thank you for what you've asked us to do, what you've done for us, who you've called us to be. God, but most importantly, we thank you for, for your son, for his life that was sinless, his death on a cross, his burial, his resurrection, and then your Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, that you would never have to leave us and never have to turn your back on us. God, we thank you that you call us your sons and your daughters, that we don't have to be perfect, but we are forgiven. God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak directly through me everything that you would have for us to hear, that we would hear it, that we would understand it, but most importantly, we would know how to apply it to our lives, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of your word. And Holy Spirit, we give you the freedom to say and do whatever you desire to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21. I actually, like, I have an old school, like, real Bible, and uh, I don't see these too often anymore, but I really use my iPad <laughs> anyway. Um, but but I, I wanted to kind of start this morning and just give you a little little concept and, and background and uh, um, about me and, and, and our ministry and, and my family. So I'm actually originally from Woodstock, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta. And I, if you can believe this, I grew up playing basketball. So I am loving preaching in a gym right now. This is this is like the best pulpit I've ever been in. Like, I, I am loving this. I'm, I'm trying, I saw some basketballs earlier when I walked in, and I'm like, man, I hope there's none around here because I might just grab it and shoot it. Because every time I get one, I shoot it. Every time I get the ball, I shoot it. That's all I do. I just shoot it. I grew up playing basketball, and uh, if you can believe this, I actually played college basketball at Oral Roberts University. And, um, and they, they even gave me a scholarship to play there. I'm still trying to figure out how they messed that one up. But, but I, I grew up playing basketball, and I didn't grow up going to church. And when I say I didn't grow up going to church, I literally had been to church five times in my entire life before I got saved. And, and y'all know this. Like, you go, you go like two Mother's Days, two Easter's, and then you spent the night with the wrong friend one time. Some of y'all, some of y'all, y'all's kids might be the wrong friend. Like, oh yeah, Johnny can spend the night on Saturday night, but that just means he's got to go to church with us on Sunday. And so we messed up a Friday, Saturday night one time at one of my friends, spent the night on Saturday, ended up going to church with him. And so I'd been to church five times and my freshman year, I actually went to a junior college and there was a teammate of mine who like, he loved Jesus for real. And he kept talking to me about Jesus, and, and God just really gra- grabbed a hold of my heart, and, and I gave my life to Christ, but I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I literally, in junior college, my first two years of college, I would go, like, to the club, and then I would go home, and, and like, in the dorm, and read my Bible. <laughs> I just, I didn't know. I had no idea. And so then I got a, a scholarship to Oral Roberts University. If you know anything about Oral Roberts University, um, you, can't, you can't, like, go to the club. And then, like, that's not okay. Like, when I was there anyway, they had an honor code, and, like, we had to wear a tie, even, not even a class, but we had to wear a tie to, like, the cafeteria or, um, or to the library. Like, wherever you went on campus, you had to have a tie. Like, it, it, you, you weren't, there were, yeah. But I went there to play basketball, and, and that's where I really started to learn and grow and figure out who God was and, and who he called me to be. And then uh, after I got done there, I moved back home to Georgia, started going to a church there that's actually connected to our church here in Round Rock. And, and my pastor there, I absolutely loved him, Andre Butler. He was my pastor there for nine years. That's where uh, me and my wife got married. We met at Oral Roberts University. That's a long story that you don't have time for. Um, and, and then what happened was I got into 
coaching, and I was coaching college basketball. I was coaching at a Division I school just out, outside of Atlanta called Kennesaw State. <laughs> and, and God had this way of grabbing me again, you know, once you get comfortable, because I loved it. Once you, you're like, man, this is great. This is comfortable. This is what I want to do. I love every day going to work and coaching basketball. And God had a way of grabbing me and, and moving me. And at that point, our church had a ministry school. And so I went to this ministry school. It was a two-year ministry school. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll just go to this ministry school so I can get back into coaching and be a better coach for Jesus. That was my thought. Finished the two-year ministry school, and I had these coaching jobs that there was nobody more qualified. I'm not just, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying like a resume. There was nobody more qualified for these open jobs than I was. And not one of them called me back. Not one of them responded to my resume. I had big time college coaches calling like, hey, you need to interview Evan. You need to hire Evan. And none of them, and they were friends with each other. And none of them would call me back. And then what happened was the founder of our circle of churches, he came and, uh, and I got a phone call. And they said, his name's Bishop. And he said, Bishop wants to see you in Detroit. And I was like, what, what's Bishop want to talk to me about? Bishop doesn't even know me. And Bishop is like, he's about 6'2". He's, uh, he's, he's African-American. He's about 65-ish. But he's one of those guys, it doesn't matter what room he walks in, everybody knows he walked in that room. And so I go in, I fly up to Michigan, I meet with him, and he says, we have a position open here. And I need to know three things. I need to know if you're interested in ministry, if you're interested in moving to Detroit, and we would train you here and then we'd send you out somewhere else. And then if you're interested in moving, and this is no lie, I, it better not be a lie. I'm up here about to preach to you. <laughs> but I said, I, I said, sir, I'm very interested in ministry. I'm not at all interested in moving to Detroit. I'm from Georgia. You might as well have been asking me to move to Iraq. Like, you, you might as well have been asking me to move to the Middle East. Like, going to Detroit is like, it's the same thing. It's like either one. So I said, sir, I'm very interested in ministry. I'm not at all interested in moving to Detroit. So I guess I'd be really interested in moving after that. <laughs> and he sat back in this big old chair and with this commanding presence. And then he acted like I didn't even say it. And he offered me a job up there. And I eventually, I actually said no. And then it was a long thing. And then I was, God guided me again. And I was like, yes. And I went up there. And I was there for two years. And then he sent me here to Round Rock. And I was here as a, a, a year as an assistant pastor. And then he stood up on a Sunday. And I was the only one that, me and my wife were the only ones that knew this was going to happen. He stood up on a Sunday. And he said, today is my last Sunday as the pastor of this church. He was pastor in our church here, Faith for Life. And he said, you know, as effective now, Evan is your new pastor. Now, y'all see me. I've, I've described him. He's been in ministry longer than I've been alive. He's like one of these guys you might see on TV, and he can go preach in front of 20,000 people. And, and again, he's about 65, African-American and commanding presence. And then he's like, here you go. Here's your new pastor. And I'm like, hey, hey, guys. <laughs> oh, man. The next Sunday, we were driving to church, and I told my wife, I said, we may not need a microphone today. <laughs> like, like, nobody may show it. It may just be us. So if so, make sure you give me a lot of amens, and we'll start over. But man, God blessed us at Faith for Life, and it, and it wasn't long at all before God really began to show me that the, the church is not about a single expression of his body. It's not about a single location. It's not about faith for life. It's not about vessel. It's about what we say here in Round Rock. It's the big C church. 
And man, he gave me a passion for that. And, and I'm telling you, I, 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 would, I would get so much more excited and fulfilled in, in doing big C church work in the community and, and individually and show you like director of discipleship. Just that title gets me so excited. Even more so than I might on a Sunday morning standing up and preaching. And man, we, we, we loved it here. I mean, we love it here. It, 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 Jake's heard me say this many times. Martha's heard me say this many Like, I don't even leave Round Rock. People are like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And they're like in Hutto. Like, they're right over the line. No, because it's Hutto. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you ever been to, you know, to Tinseltown and Pflugerville? No, because that's Pflugerville. <laughs> like, I literally don't leave Round Rock. And we were so comfortable and the church was doing well and we're involved in the community and we got relationships like Jake and, and so many relationships. And about a year and a half ago, God said, Evan, hey, I know you're comfortable. I know this is going, you think it's going well. And you and your wife are both working at the church and you're financially good and your house is good and you got a great house and your, your kids love it and you got good schools. And he's like, hey, Evan, time to go. I said, that's not God. There's that, that is, that, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, I rebuke you. I'm trying to think of all these King James terms. There's no way that's God. I didn't think nothing about it. And then a couple weeks later, we were in worship at our church, and, and God's like, hey, Evan, it's time to go. <laughs> that's not God. Who is this messing with me? A couple weeks later, I was somewhere else, and it's like, hey, it's time actually for you to go to Atlanta, back home. I know that's not God, because I love where I'm from, but I don't want to go back there. And a little while later, I feel like God told me, he said, 2020 will be your last full year in Texas. And at that point, it starts to get real, because it starts to get more specific and details, right? And I'm like, oh. So at that point, I go to my wife, and, and I say, hey, honey, um, I think God said 2020 is going to be our last year in Texas, and he wants us to move back to Georgia. And my wife, she is amazing. She is so spiritual. She loves God. She's known God longer than I have. She grew up in the church. Complete opposite story. And she looked me right in my face, and she said, no. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, because now I can blame it on her. This woman you gave me, (laughs) that we get to stay here. Because I wanted to stay here. Like, I love it here. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not doing this if you're not on board. So you just pray, and, 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 and that's it. It was several months later. She was like, let's take a trip to Georgia and just feel it out. And we did that. And, and she came back after that trip, and she said, you know, I think you're right. I think we're supposed to move to Georgia and start a church. And there's a part of me that just kind of, Something on the inside of me just kind of sunk in that moment because I knew that's what God was asking us to do, but it's not at all what I wanted to do. Now, my family's there. I mean, there's a lot of good things. There's things that we're excited about, but, but man, I've cried more in the last three weeks <laughs> than I've ever cried in my entire life. I'm so emotionally drained in today because of just the separation from all the relationships and all the difficulty but we're holding on because we believe that this is what God has asked us to do. And it brings me to Matthew chapter 21. In verse 28, you have Jesus speaking here. 
and, and man, I love reading Jesus' words. And listen, let me just throw this little side note in there. If you're, if you're kind of new to all this and you're like, man, I don't really understand it. Or like, how could you be excited about reading the Bible or reading Jesus' words? If you just slow down and actually read it, it is fascinating. It is hilarious. It is powerful. It is the best read that you will ever read in your entire life. It is phenomenal. Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, really. And he says in verse 28, what do you think? And, and I love this. I love this because he's asking them. And here's Jesus. Jesus knows everything. And he's like, hey, what do you think? Like, what does it matter what I think? What do you mean what I think? You, you, you're asking me what I think? It, it's kind of like when Jake asked me what I think. I'm like, Jake, why are you asking me what I Like, you're the one who's way smarter than me. You're the one, like, really? You're asking me? How much more when Jesus is like, what do you think? But you know what? Jesus values you. He loves you so much that he will ask you what you think. Think about this. Jesus, while he was walking on the earth, can you imagine how many times people came up to Jesus and they were like telling him something? It could have been anything like, you know, um, about carpentry. Like, hey, Jesus, here's how you need to do this. <laughs> He's like, I'm Jesus. <laughs> Like, who do you think created all this? Who do you think, like, do you know that I was here from the very beginning? Like, like, could you just imagine, like, Jesus, you know, here's how you, um, you know, here, here's how you get from here to there. And naturally, he was fully man, so some of that he had to hear. But could you imagine how many times Jesus just sat there and graciously listened to somebody talk about something, and he knew way more about it than they did? Man, right there, I think that could challenge every Christian, Right? No, no, let me not talk about y'all. Um, other Christians at another church, that because, because, you know, what we have a tendency to do as Christians is like, oh, you're trying to tell me about something I already know? Number one, I already have an attitude with you. I already put something up. And then just, I'm going to let you pause for just a minute so I can jump in there and prove to you how much I know and prove to you how wrong you are. Again, none of you guys, just the other Christians that y'all know, right? The other Christians. But Jesus here is saying, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. Now, I love this because Jesus here is telling us a parable. And this is often the way that he would talk to the people um, so that they could understand it. And it's often still the way that we understand things today. He's telling this story saying a man has two sons. And let me give you a little spoiler alert. We are all one of these two sons. Every one of us in here is one of these two sons. And maybe, maybe that's big picture, like we're one of these two sons in our lives. But also, we could be one of these two sons in different compartments of our lives, different areas of our lives, or maybe even different times of our lives. And this first son, he says, first of all, he says, go. And you know, when God gives us instructions, he requires us to go. I mean, sometimes it's go to your, your, your knees in prayer. It's not always like leave physically leave or move it's not always that but he does tell us in his instructions to go to go somewhere to go do something to change our thinking to change our habits to to do something and and, and it goes all the way back to go into all the world and make disciples go into all of your world and make disciples you can't go into all of your world if you're only sitting back and waiting for people to come to you that's why i love vessel collective church because you guys are not just about this moment here. You're not just about people coming into a church, but you're going and you're showing the love of Christ and you're doing what God wants you to do. And man, I commend you to that because there's so many other churches outside of Round Rock that are not doing that. 
that are only focused on come, 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 come be like us, come worship with us, come, come, come love us, come give to us, come be a part. But you guys are going, and, and, and God's instructions always require us to go. But then he says, go and work. And we don't like that word a lot of times. But instructions from God always include assignments. When God gives you instructions, he gives you in assignment. He gives you a part to play. He gives you um, something that you are to, to do or to pray or to change. And it comes with an assignment. And he says this. He says, go work in the vineyard today. Today. Instructions from God come with an expectation of immediate obedience. Now, for, for us, God began dealing with me like a year and a half ago that, that we were to leave, but he wasn't asking me to, to leave in that moment. Immediate obedience means immediate obedience in God's timing. So once I got more instructions about 2020 will be your last full year here, I knew at some point in 2021, we had to move. If we don't move, I don't believe we would die. I don't believe the church would, you know, catch on fire and, you know, I don't, I don't believe any of that would have happened. But I do believe we would have missed out on an opportunity to be used by God in a different way, in a broader way, in a more impactful way. And there are too many believers that miss out on these opportunities because we're not willing to obey in the timing that God gives us. There's these windows in time where God will open up uh, doors of opportunity for us to walk through. And, and, and if you've lived any amount of time, you can probably think about some times where you knew God was asking you to do something and you didn't do it, and you wonder, what would have happened had I taken that leap of faith? You know, I was talking with um, my, my little girl, had a birthday party yesterday, and, and one of her uh, preschool friends, her mom was, we were talking about this move and she was saying, man, you know, congratulations. That's so awesome. That's so cool. You know, God's with you. And I'm thinking, hey, you better be right. <laughs> it better be good. God better be with us because we can't do this on our own. And, and then she said something really, really interesting. She said, you know, uh, she said, this is a perfect time. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And she was like, well, you know, your kids are at the right ages and she said, you know, she, she, was, she, went, she didn't mean this bad. She's like, you're not getting any younger, <laughs> right? Like, like there's an opportunity, there's a window here to step into what God's asking you to do. And if you miss this window, it, it doesn't mean that your life will be horrible. It doesn't mean that you're going to hell, but you have an opportunity here to kind of increase your capacity, increase your influence, increase God's kingdom in the earth. And if you don't take it, that window will close. The instructions from God come with an expectation of immediate Immediate obedience in verse 29. And he answered, I will not. This first son says, I will not do what you're asking me to do, what his father is asking him to do, what God is asking us to do. He says, I will not. And there's so many people sitting in other churches today that like, they can't even relate to this. Because they're like, I would never tell God no. I would never say, I will not. But then somebody cuts them off going down 35. And that whole like love your enemy, you know, forgive, you know, just be gracious, like just be a good person. They don't come in church and say, I will not obey God. But in the road behind the wheel, they're like, I will not obey God. And it doesn't come out like I will not. It comes like, beep, 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 you know, to, 
I know other Christians that curse, not y'all. Again, I'm not talking about y'all. Or, or when God is putting on your heart to be generous and give financially and you're like, yeah, uh, uh, I will not. Or, or if he's asking you to, to go serve the homeless, you're like, uh, I may not really know what to say. I may not really know what to do. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be good at that. I will not. All of us have been this son that says, I will not. But this is so good. It says, but afterward, he changed his mind and went. So he denies his father's request. He denies Jesus' request. And whatever the reasoning, we often respond to God in this, in this same way as this first son, I will not. And sometimes it's an overt denial. Sometimes it's a, a covert error. Or sometimes it's a perverted understanding of what God is asking us to do. And, and, but, but then he repents. And he says, and he actually goes. Even though he said the wrong thing, he's now willing to do the wrong thing. See, the ability to repent is one of the greatest mysteries of all the gospel. Like the, the, the ability for us to simply turn our heart away from the error of our ways and turn it to God and have God forgive us and restore us and continue to use us, like that is amazing. Because if you think about how we're wired, you know, it's like fool me once, shame on, on you, fool me twice, shame on me. You know, there's a part of us that's like, yeah, you're going to have to do more than tell me you're sorry. <laughs> like, you're going to have to prove to me that you're not going to hurt me again, that you're not going to mess up again. There's a part of us that cannot relate to this ability for us to repent and God wipe that clean and wash our sins away and forgive us and restore us and look at us as though we are forgiven. It's one of the greatest mysteries and powerful mysteries of the gospel. But here, this person, they under-promise and they over-deliver to God. And listen, if you're going to do either one, it is better to, to under-promise uh, under and over-deliver. It is way better, not just to God, but in our lives. And this reminds me that, that Jesus, when he chose his disciples, he chose doers more than he chose philosophers. Right? If you don't know much about the disciples, I don't have time here because um, at some point I'd love for Jake to ask me to come back. So I'm not going to take like two hours and do all this, even though I would love to, because I don't know when I'll get to preach again, because we're literally moving today. So, um, so I don't care about that clock, by the way, but no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But, but yeah, think about the, the disciples, right? The disciples, they were a bunch of guys who just got, th- got stuff done. They were not a bunch of guys who sat around and philosophized and, and like tried to think about and strategize. It was like, no, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And they went and did it. So much so that, that when, when Jesus was captured, Peter like pulls out his sword, cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 Peter, come on, come on. No, that's not, that's not what we're going to do. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And he picks it up and he puts it back on. Because Jesus is so gracious and so merciful and so powerful that he can fix our mistakes. He would rather slow us down than try to speed us up. He's looking for us that are willing to be doers and not just thinkers. That's why we're, to, we're told not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Jesus can work with those who take action, but his hands are tied with those who take a seat. And too many times in churches outside of Vessel and Faith for Life, because I still love Faith for Life, too many Christians take a seat instead of taking action. Too many Christians want to pray about it when the Bible's clear about it. 
Too many Christians want to just come and worship and experience God for themselves and, and are not willing to, to, to help other people experience God for themselves. <sighs> if we're honest, we've all been this son. We've all at one time or another read something in scripture or sensed something in prayer or knew God was asking us to go work in some vineyard today and we said, no, I will not. Because it's easy to say, Yes to God when he's asking us to do something that's actually easy or something that we want to do or something that we can see the immediate benefit of. But it's way more difficult to say yes to God when it's difficult, when you don't want to do it, when you can't see the immediate benefit of it. And it's in those moments that we have to ask ourselves, are we going to say no to God? God doesn't want us to say no. He doesn't desire our no. But don't beat yourself up if you have said no, or if you are saying no. Because God is big enough, and he's tough enough, and he's gracious enough to handle our no. Just like with this son. This first son said no, but he still had the opportunity to repent and to go and do it. And just because you've said no, doesn't mean that God throws you away, doesn't mean that you've the window for your entire life has closed, doesn't mean that there won't be another opportunity, doesn't mean that he doesn't still love you, doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. It means that you just are looking for the next opportunity to say yes, because God is not so fickle and so easily offended like so many other Christians outside of this room that, that your no is just like, okay, we'll forget you then. That's not what God does. God allows us the grace and the opportunity to be able to repent and come back and do what he's asked us to do. This first son's initial no was not a final no. In verse 30, we read, and he went to the other son, the second son, and said the same. Now, I love this because a lot of times when you read the scripture, it'll like, it'll like give you all of what the first instructions were. Right? Have y'all read that, especially in the Old Testament? It's like, God said to go and kill the fatted calf and spread the blood and do it to the perfect one and all this. And it's like, and then he said to this second one, go and kill. Like, couldn't you just say, like, he said the same thing that he said over there? Like, like I'm trying to read a chapter a day. This is way more difficult than it needs to be. Right? I love this. He just says, he went and said the same. So you have two sons with one father same instructions. You have two families reading one scripture, same instructions. Or you have two husbands listening to the same sermon with one instruction. Or maybe you have two moms or wives getting the same things in prayer, the same instructions. So we have three kids, and I thought after the first one, we'll just do the same thing that we did with the first one for the second one, because two sons, one father, one household, one, one mom, like we'll just do the same thing and we'll get the same results. So I'm sure when we keep reading here, it's gonna say the second son said, I will not, and then he repents. And he goes and does it. And I don't know what the point of this is going to be, but that's got to be what it is. But here's what I learned. Our first son's name, Isaiah. Our second son's name, Josiah. I learned that Josiah, <laughs> he is not Isaiah. When Isaiah gets in trouble, we say, Isaiah, how dare you do that? You can't do that. You know you shouldn't do that. We, you, you might deserve a spanking. Don't, 
Put your rocks down. If you want to stone me, send uh, Jake an email. Just tell Jake about it. Like, like Isaiah, we, we, we deserve a spanking. And Isaiah would get this look, and he would just crumble, and he like, and he would never do it again. That's all it took. Josiah, Josiah, you can't do that. We don't do that. You know better than that. You deserve a spanking. And Josiah would go, hmm, the spanking or go ahead and do it. Spanking. Uh, I'll take the spanking. Uh, like, I'd rather do it and get the spanking than not do it. And he, he'd like, mm, even as a little kid, mm, okay, and he just does it anyway. And it's like, man, these are two different sons, two sons, same father, same house, but two different kids. And we read that here. He went to the other son and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. So yes, he says yes. He says what we all say on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Yes, God. We worship God and we pray and and we receive communion and we hear the word and we say, yes, God, yes. But I wonder how many sons are like this second son that say, I go, sir, but did not go. See, saying and doing are two different things. I love this. You, you You can show me better than you can tell me. You know, people are like, oh, you played basketball? No way. I'm like, come on, let's go. I can show you better than I can tell you. Now, I'm getting older, so I can't do that anymore. I don't, I don't really say that anymore. But, but if you let me stand right there and don't guard me and let me shoot it, it's going in. And I can tell you that all day, but, but I can show you better than I can tell you. Maybe he never intended to go. He just said yes. Or maybe he did plan to go, but something else came up. Or maybe he said yes and he wanted to go and he just simply didn't go. I think we've all been this son or this daughter as well. We're just like, God, yes, I will do that. And then the game comes on. (laughs) Or, and then something comes up or I said I would say, I said I would go serve in that homeless ministry. I said I would go help out with rad week, or I said I would, you know, do this or do that, but ah, that's too much for me. And this is really, really dangerous for those that have already given their life to Jesus. Because Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, um, verses 21 through 27, he says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So not about as much about what you say as what you do. It's not as much about what comes out of your mouth as it is about what's in your heart. It says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, listen to this, I never knew you. This is about relationship. It's not about, it's not about action and being perfect and always saying yes and getting it right every time. It's about a relationship. But here's a key indicator of this relationship. Here's how Jesus couples this together. I never knew you, depart from me, you workers, I never knew you, and let let me prove it to you. I didn't know you because of your works, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I don't believe, and I'm sure you guys don't believe, that we make it to heaven because of our works. We are saved by grace through faith. But we better be careful when we don't do what Jesus asked us to do. Because he says he didn't know us because we were, our actions were actions that were opposed to him. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And listen, I can just tell you in the last several months that we have said yes to God and we have made moves to actually uh, leave here around rock and go to Georgia that we have seen the the wind and the rain and the floods and and everything beat on our house on us on I mean from massive things to tiny things to to yesterday I'm, we're driving out today and yesterday I finally got my car back out of the shop and they put the wrong size tires on the front <laughs> So every time I turn, it hits the, like, it, it's like <sighs> the wind and the rain and the beats on the house. It's going to beat on those decisions when you say yes, but it does not fall because it was founded on the rock. It does not fall because you're saying yes to Jesus. And ultimately, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I don't have the capacity to do what he wants me to do. But him in me, nothing is impossible. He will work all things together for my good, for your good. He'll figure out how to fix my tire situation. He'll figure out how to help us start this church that he asked us to start. He'll figure out how to help you uh, raise your kid in the Lord so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. He'll, he'll help you figure out what that next step is, what that yes is, how to love well, how to do what he's called you to do. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. Both houses had the same storm and it fell and great was the fall of it because it wasn't a yes to God. It was working on their own. It was sand. It was the foundation was sand. We've all been this son. We've all been this son who says yes to God but never intended to actually do it or never got around to doing it or got distracted and forgot to do it. In verse 31, it says, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said the first. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Wow. The first one said the right thing. Let's make it more practical. The first one came to church and said, you know, Lord, I love you. I wish I could sing. Man, Jessica, if I could sing like y'all, I would never preach. I would just sing. You know, they sang the songs. You know, in, in our church, um, especially when I first started, we, we used a lot of King James terminology. <laughs> if you've been to church, you'll, you'll, rec- you'll recognize it's like, man, hey, brother, how you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And, and when I first got in there, like, I didn't go to church. And I was like, what? I don't even, what do we, what? What just happened? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know. And then like next week, it's like, or, or, or even in, in our church, when I first got there too, they would call like the, the more mature people like, like mom and dad and stuff. And I'd be like, is that your mom? Like, is that your dad? I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, wait, what? What are we, what are we, do? what are we saying? What is happening? Should I call this lady mom? She's not my mom. I'm so confused. <laughs> like, I know that guy. I'm not calling him dad. Like, I got a good dad. I'm not calling that dude dad. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, str- it's strange. But, 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 but this person, they said the right things, but their heart wasn't right. 
they first denied, but then they, they did. The second son. Are we going to be people that will play church and will come to a summer of love sermon series and say the right thing and then today at 3 o'clock be like, you know, ah, just couldn't make it. Hey, sorry, they put the wrong size tires on my car. What? How do you do that? Hey, you know, something came up. Not going to be able to make it. Be praying for you. God bless you. Or maybe some of you have already said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing all that summer of love stuff. But God has given you a grace and an opportunity to still show up. We still have an opportunity to show up. Because at the end of this, we're told that the goal is to, to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well planned, not well thought, not well intentioned, but well done. Let me close with this. What, what are Jesus' instructions to us, his sons and daughters? What, what vineyard is he asking us to go and work today? For each of us, there are specific vineyards that God is asking you to go and to work today. For us, that happens to be a vineyard in North Georgia, north of Atlanta, where he's calling us to go and to work that vineyard for his kingdom, and he's calling us to do it now. The only way that you find that specific, some people call this purpose, is in prayer. It's in conversation with Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you, people way smarter than me with way more influence, um, older, all of that stuff. They, I've heard the most ridiculous things about finding purpose, about finding the vineyard that God's called you to work in. And I've heard stuff like, find what you love to do and do it. Jake, did, is this what you wanted to do? Like, is this finding what you love to do and doing it? No, not, not for me either. Not, I never wanted to be a pastor, like ever, until I was a pastor. And I was like, God... Are you sure? Because, but beyond me and Jake, go through the scriptures. Because you know what I read in the scriptures? God asking somebody to do something. They're like, God, I can't do that. I stutter. They won't listen to me. Who am I? I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that. Purpose is found in prayer. The vineyard, the specific vineyard that God wants you to work is found in prayer. But for all of us, let me give you quickly, the Bible lays out some vineyards that he's asking us to go work today. The first one is clear. It's love God. Love God with everything that you have. Jesus was asked, hey, like what's the most important? Like what is this? Like what is this all about? And he says, love God with everything that you have. And the Bible tells us to love God is to obey God. So we are to go and work today in the spiritual vineyard of developing your faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 tells us that God's command, commandments are not burdensome. So you may think like, oh man, loving God, obeying God, like that's hard, that's not fun, he doesn't want me to enjoy life. No, it's not that at all. His, his commandments are not burdensome. I can promise you this, it is way better to live holy and live righteous and wake up on a Saturday morning remembering what you did last night. Than it is to wake up on a Saturday morning thinking, oh man, what did I do last night? Because I don't remember any of it. When I, when I would go to the club and then I'd go home, I'd, I'd, I'd wake up and I'd pray prayers like, and y'all put your rocks down. 
but I'm moving to Georgia, so I'd wake up and I'd pray like, God, please don't let her be pregnant. Just this one more time, and I won't, just please don't let her be pregnant. I don't, I don't know if that's too raw for y'all, but I, I know it's not too raw for Jake. And, and I promise you it's way better to wake up and be like, all right, God, what are we doing today? I know exactly what I did last night. It was great. I had peace. It was good. It was righteous. It was holy. And, and now I'm ready to go attack another day. It's way better to love God by obeying God, to work today in the spiritual vineyard of developing your faith. And then he, Jesus, when he's asked us, he goes on and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. So today, go work in the relational vineyard of loving others. Like this is an assignment God's given all of us is to love God, love our neighbors. And, and there's a lot that we could add to this. I have so many notes about this. Jesus even goes on and they're like, all right, well, what does that mean? Who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of the good Samaritan. And there's so much in that. But, but here's what we need to know. Love is a verb, not an adjective. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. And then this third one I'm going to give you, and it's not, this is not all inclusive. This third one is love your community. Love your community. John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus prays this. And I, I, I say this, I say this is the real Lord's prayer. He says, I do not ask for these only. So Jesus has been praying for those disciples that were walking with him. He says, but also for those who, be, who will believe in me through their word. So <clears throat> he's talking about us. He's saying, I'm not just praying for these guys who are physically here with me, but I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their word. So that would be us who now believe. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. <laughs> this is the greatest evangelism plan in the history of the world. And you know what it is? It is not just that Vessel Collective be in unity. It's that the body of Christ be in unity. It's that Vessel Collective be in unity with Faith for Life, be in unity with Central Baptist, be in unity with Freedom Church and City View and, and Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and One Way Missionary Baptist Church and all the churches that have 42 names and hard pews. <laughs> it's, it's that... We would be so united together doing things like Love the Rock and Summer of Love that the world, our world, our community would look and say, wow, what is that about? How can I, how, how can I see that? Listen, oh, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. But, but, but please, let me, let me say this. The things that have happened in our in our. Not, not even things, that, the things that have been highlighted to us in the last several years around police violence and racial issues and don't get nervous and those kind of things. Wherever you stand on that, let me tell you, John chapter 17, Jesus is saying, if the church, if my body would be united, the whole world would believe and you know what happens when these things come out? The church is more divided than even the world. There are churches that are meeting within a five-mile radius of this when something like that happens. They are so far over here 
And there's others that are so far over here. And they're saying, y'all can't be saved. They're saying, y'all can't be saved. Y'all are this. Y'all are that. And we're missing these windows of opportunity to show the world that Jesus is real. And you know why we're missing it? Because we're so arrogant that we think we've got it figured out. And we think we know and can see the whole picture. We think our perspective is the only perspective. We think our vantage point is the only vantage point. You know, if you're walking in the woods, you think it's massive. You think you can't get out. You think, you know, you're surrounded. But if you were to go up in a plane at a higher level, you would be like, those woods? Really? That's just a little area. And I think we're walking around and we're looking not just issues like that, but we're looking at theological issues. We're looking at, at, uh, at just preferen- preferences. We're, we're looking at all these things and we're walking through the woods and we're thinking this is massive. We could never find them. We could never connect with them. But if we would come up to God's perspective and we say, first of all, let's talk about what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that he's your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Have you given your life to him? All right, and that, and that, that right there, we're unified. Now, all the other stuff, we don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree, and we can love our community well. Each of us, like these two sons, have a choice. My wife and I, we had a choice. We could stay here where it's comfortable, where we love it, where we love the people, where our kids love it, and we could rationalize that this is the best move. It's not the best move for us to both leave our jobs and move across the country without employment to go do something that we've never done before. People are asking us, like, what's the name of the church? No idea. Where are you going to be located? No idea. Uh, hey, I've, I've even had some people say, like, hey, can we give to it? I'm like, yeah, but not yet, because we don't, we, we, we don't know. Like, I don't know. It's easier to sit, but God calls us to go. No matter what, which son you've been, no matter which daughter you've been, You have an amazing opportunity this summer to tangibly show the love of God. You have the opportunity to put action to your faith. You have the opportunity to love God, love others, and love your community. And Jake and Vessel is giving you that opportunity. They're making it super clear and super practical. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You can start right here. I'm going to close. This is my second close or third close? I think this is my second close. I am so pumped about 3 o'clock today. Because when I first really started following Jesus, here's what I did. I I got connected with this church that I didn't even go to. Every Thursday, they would go to downtown Atlanta, and they would serve hot dogs and beans and sweet tea to homeless people. And they would have church service. And they had, we would, every Thursday night, we would have 300 homeless people there. And there would be a group of us, and we would go, and most of us just passed out like trays of food and sweet tea. And, and, and then there would be a church service and it was the most impactful thing of at least that decade of my life. I can't, I could tell you story after story. One of the stories I was passing something out and I looked up and I caught this guy sitting in the row right behind us and he had one eye. And I don't mean like a patch. I don't mean like when I was like, like his eye was open and there was no eyeball. And you want to talk about an impact and, and something just rising up on the inside of you that's like, man, not only am I grateful, but my heart goes to a point where, man, I love you. 
How can I help you? How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? And we would be passing all this out and building relationships. <laughs> and and this, is, this is the thing about God is when you obey God, like he finds a way to bless you in your sacrifice. One of the guys, one of the homeless guys there, he, somehow he found out that I like golf. And about um, this one Thursday, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I heard that you like golf. He gave me four tickets to a professional golf round in the Atlanta area where like Tiger Woods in his prime was playing. <laughs> and so I'm passing this stuff out. And he's like, hey man, I wanted to give you these. I heard you liked it. And I took it and I was like, I was blown away by his generosity. But let's be honest. My second thought was, <laughs> hey, where'd this homeless guy get some, <laughs> some golf? T- like, I was like, hey, uh, am I going to get arrested when I show up and, and, and they scan this <laughs> golf ticket? And I had to weigh that. Like, is it worth possibly getting arrested? And so I went. And I'm telling you, I was so nervous when I handed that guy this ticket. And he scanned it, and it beeped, and it sounded like the good beep. And then he let me in, and I went, and I watched. I, like, I followed Tiger Woods for like four holes, like from me to Jake to Tiger Woods. It was one of the most amazing things in my life, and it was a homeless. I still have no idea how that guy got those tickets, and I don't want to know. I'm not asking. But God has a way of blessing you even in your sacrifice. So I am so pumped for 3 o'clock today. I don't know how many people, I don't know what exactly you're going to do, but it's going to be life-changing, not just for those that you're going to minister to, but everybody who comes and says yes to God and shows up to serve, not just today, but throughout this month. I am so excited for you guys. I can't wait to hear all that you do and how you impact this community and this city. And Pastor Jake, man, I love you. I am so thankful for our relationship. I'm so thankful for what you do in this community. And I challenge you to walk into every room confident in who you are, knowing that we're all looking at you as a leader because that humility will not go away. And I know that God will use it. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you give us grace when we say yes, but we don't go. When we tell you no, but we end up going. God, that you love us so much that you just want us to be in relationship with you. You want to know us and for us to be workers of righteousness and not lawlessness. God, put it on all of our hearts to look for the opportunities to love you in obedience, to love others and to love this community. Help us, God, to even be more selfless and lay down our lives and take up our cross to follow you and do what you've asked us to do. And God, we know that in our weakness, you will make us strong. That in our inadequacies, you will fill us with everything that we need. When we don't know what to say, you'll give us the words. When we don't know what to do, you'll show us the path. God, that ultimately we trust in you, we rely on you, we follow after you. And for that, we trust and believe that you'll work all things together for our good. And most importantly, for your good. Help us to build your kingdom each and every moment of each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.